Hello, and welcome to a new episode of Electrifying AI. Our mission is to provide a venue for clean energy enthusiasts to gain up-to-date insights on the latest developments taking shape in the electricity sector. Along the way, we'll help demystify the connection between the greatest machine ever built, the electric grid, and the greatest enabler of our time, data analytics. To help us do that, we'll have a series of special guests this season who hold a variety of different roles throughout the electricity industry. For today's episode, we're excited to welcome someone who is helping drive us toward the electricity system of the future. My friend Ahad Ismailian is the Director of Business Development for Avangrid, which is a diversified energy and utility company that boasts about $30 billion in assets and operations in 25 U.S. states and dozens of countries. He has earned a Ph.D. from Texas A&M and a master's degree from universities in both the United States and his home country of Iran. And while Ahad's daily focus is to work across the industry to advance the clean energy uh, cause through the interconnection of wind, solar, and other utility-scale renewable energy resources, his academic and professional careers have largely focused on digital grids. That means we have plenty of things to talk about. Ahad, first of all, welcome to Electrifying AI. Hi, Sal. Thank you so much for uh, inviting me, and thank you for the introduction. I uh, appreciate that. I wanted to first uh, say hi to all the audience here, uh, and I am very happy to be part of this episode. Excellent. Excellent. So let's get into it then, Ahad. So I always think it is interesting to hear how folks find their way into the electricity industry. And Ahad, I understand that this is a family affair for you. So tell us more about what led you to where you are today. Uh, sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, I I have an older brother. He is about 10, 11 years older than me. Uh, so by the time I was in middle school, he was already in uh, university and he was pursuing, uh, uh, you know, a career in the power system. So once I get to the high school and I was starting to think about whether or not, you know, what are the future that I'm going to pick, uh, he was already in his job and he used to work for a uh, uh, engineering company uh, designing and implementing substation and transmission lines. So. Uh, whenever I was, you know, I was away from school, I used to go, you know, visit him in Tehran. And many times it happened for me to go with him to substations, see, you know, <laughs> uh, on the spot um, building and uh, construction of, uh, you know, uh, equipments in the in the um, substation or transmission system and so on. So. Uh, I ended up liking it a lot that when I got to, you know, university, I already knew what I want. And uh, fast forward about 15 years now, uh, I am still in this industry and I am happy with the, you know, with the decision that I made way before, uh, before even I joined a university. So it sounds like it's in your DNA then, right? Uh, one may say. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So um, then after you finish your PhD, Ahad, you spent some time working at NIPA and now you're with Avangrid. So give us some um, insights into or an overview of what Avangrid is doing in the areas of clean energy and digital grids. And before you do that, I also hear there is a story, a very interesting story that you have to tell us about NIPA as well. So, uh, you know, our, our listeners are curious to hear that as well. 
I don't know if they are, but you know for sure. Uh, before I turn into more serious stuff, I'll, I'll make that that story for you again, Sal. I know that you know you're already aware of it. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, when I when I first joined uh, NIPA, uh, very you know warm culture and environment to work with, great colleagues, great uh, you know projects that I work uh, along. Uh, but what we had uh, during the, the the time was that we we had these Fridays to be more casual, uh, you know, people start day a little bit more chill. Uh, and I thought, okay, let's do something funny. You know, people used to wear jeans, short sleeves, you know, having more casual, pretty much. So for, for our listeners, this is uh, for our listeners, <laughs> this is pre-pandemic, right? So now it's the norm. <laughs> Sorry, I had to continue. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it was back in 2017 for the reference. So uh, what I did was like, let me do something a little bit more creative and bring a smile to a lot of faces. So what I did was uh, I started thinking about maybe having a t-shirt, designing something creative on it. I started looking online and I actually happened to uh, find something, which I brought it now with me to, uh, you know, this t-shirt, I found it online. I don't know if uh, audience can see it, uh, <laughs> but it says NIPA, which stands for New York Power Authority, supposedly. But then on the bottom, it says not your personal army. So, uh, you know, that was my... A uh, funny joke on those days, and it ended up being so famous that pretty much everyone in the uh, in the organization knew about a person who wears this shirt. Maybe they didn't know me, but they knew that such thing exists. And I ended up uh, even being spotted by by Gil Kinionis, uh, our our oh, wow. CEO <laughs> uh, in Naipa. So uh, I hope that Gil not ended up watching this video, or you know, <laughs> or I'm in big trouble. <laughs> we'll make sure to tag him. How's that? <laughs> Uh, that's probably good. Uh, okay. So, so yeah, that, that about it. But if you want me to start maybe talking about what I did in Avangrid, uh, in, in NIPA, or maybe, you know, uh, I think your question was around uh, what, what, what we are doing at, at, at Avangrid. Yes. Yes. Right? In, the, in the clean energy and digital grid space. So would love to get your insights on that. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Avangrid, as you uh, might know, uh, is a um, clean energy sustainable leader across the uh, U.S. Uh, we are the third largest uh, renewable uh, generator and operator. Uh, we uh, have more than 7.5 gigawatt of uh, solar and wind uh, operational in U.S. And we are the leader in offshore industry. Uh, the first large-scale offshore project that is happening now in U.S. Uh, mm-hmm. belongs to uh, Avangrid as part of a joint venture with uh, another uh, company. Uh, and the project is called uh, One Yard Wind. Uh, we also have a bunch of others, uh, other offshore uh, projects in different stages. We have uh, Parkwind City. We have Kitty Hawk. Uh, we are pretty much uh, extremely, I would say, uh, active in the, in the offshore uh, industry and as you might be familiar, we are already we are also tied up with uh, Iberdrola as our parent company, the Spanish giant, of course, uh, which yeah. they are among the 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 top uh, few um, utilities across the world. Uh, and you know, many times the combination of the work that they help and we do together uh, is going to even end up in something better. Uh, I also wanted to discuss a little bit about our networks. We also have uh, another branch of our company. One is renewable. The other one is networks, which is pretty much the traditional 
utility space. Uh, we have territories across uh, Northeast U.S. We have uh, New York, uh, NYSEG and RGE are two of our operating companies over there. Uh, we have Central Maine Power uh, in Maine, and we have uh, United Illuminating in Connecticut. And we also have uh, four additional gas companies on those regions. Uh, in addition, as you uh, might have heard the news over the past couple of months, uh, we are in the process to acquire uh, PNM resources, uh, which wow. is in New Mexico and, uh, That's and big. part of Texas. Yep. And we are, you know, the, the merger is ongoing, pending some of the regulatory approvals and so on. Uh, and when it comes to, to the networks, which I am part of that team, uh, we have done a lot of work in the in the distribution side with the automation, with uh, uh, different smart grid initiatives, which I uh, will explain, I, I guess, as we go through uh, through the conversation. Absolutely. Uh, just just on the offshore wind part, um, you know, for the audience here in the United States, you know, we hear a lot of. Uh, you know, action around what's going on in the space in the northeast of the United States. Do you see offshore wind uh, becoming uh, active in the West Coast as well? What a great question. Uh, yes, the answer is yes. It just, uh, because it is a slightly different nature, uh, it's probably going to be a slightly, uh, you know, uh, later in time, but it is already ongoing. As a matter of fact, just today, uh, I was reading uh, news on the Bowen website that says uh, the Biden administration uh, has resolved some of the issues. There was an issue with one of the potential call areas uh, that has some, you know, some overlap with uh, a Department of Defense and Naval uh, Territory, which uh, that has been resolved. Uh, and uh, based on the, the, the news, uh, it seems like next year, around this time, we would have uh, the first auction for the, for the lease areas, both in the central region in, in California uh, and also in the north part of the, uh, the, the Pacific uh, on the north side of the, the California coast. So it is going to happen. And the reason why I said it is it's slightly different is because of uh, the, the depth of the the ocean, the Pacific Ocean, uh, which is dramatically increases. Uh, maybe if you go 10 miles uh, off of the shore, uh, you would have about 2,000 2, feet or even more uh, depth. And uh, the, the traditional, the, the fixed bottom offshore uh, turbines are not designed for uh, such an implementation. Uh, those are going to be much shallower waters. Uh, that that's going to fit uh, for them. Uh, so here you're going to have the floating uh, offshore. While I am not a floating offshore expert, uh, I know there are a couple of issues uh, over there with the floating offshore. Not issues, but you know hmm. elements that made it. You know, being slightly first of all, the technology is newer compared hmm. to fixed offshore. Uh, second, maybe some issues with the with the logistic with the global supply chain. Uh, and overall, there are much less uh, examples out there. Uh, and maybe another reason is, uh, you know, California started a couple of years later because of all these reasons. So yeah. uh, maybe within the next two to five years, we are going to start seeing much more developments on that space. Hopefully next year after the auction is started, uh, you're going to see, you know, 
major uh, players uh, and hopefully us uh, being in that space, trying to you know start uh, our uh, you know assessment of the region and moving forward with the with the requirements that Boehm has in place uh, for uh, the area these areas. Excellent, excellent. Yes, uh, and uh, uh, folks on the who are, who are listening in, or tuning into this, BOEM is actually the Bureau of Ocean and Energy Management. Uh, that's the organization Ahad was referring to there. So, Ahad, it's it it sounds very exciting uh, to hear about the work uh, you're doing and also how the grid is evolving. But many of our listeners who work at electric utilities might have concerns about grid inertia as this transition continues forward. How should the industry address that? And um, especially in light of um, these more, more, especially in light of the fact that more and more of these renewables are coming online. And uh, perhaps even for, for those that do not know grid inertia, maybe if you can even give a, just a brief uh, introduction into what grid inertia is and why that matters. Sure. Uh, great question, Salan. Uh, it's absolutely an important topic. And uh, that industry is now facing and trying to answer to it. Uh, grid inertia has been, you know, once you look into the traditional system, you have these uh, giant synchronous machines, uh, which are, you know, regardless of the type of generation and uh, you know, the, all the different type of fossil fuel generation, they rely on synchronous machine. Uh, and these synchronous machines, uh, given their size, given their rotating nature, uh, they provide, so to speak, stability to the system or inertia to the system. Mm. And that inertia is extremely important uh, while when you're talking about fault uh, or uh, oscillations uh, for different natures, like power swing type of oscillations happening in the system. And that helps, that inertia helps to damp that, those type of oscillations. So now that you're replacing uh, the traditional generation units and synchronous machines with uh, solar and winds, which rely on inverter-based, um, uh, you know, uh, generation, uh, you are losing that inertia. You are losing that elements that provide inertia. So all of a sudden, if for any given reason, whether it is fault or whether it is, uh, you know, an outage or something that you know changes the supply and demand balance, uh, you know, in a in an extreme scenario where you don't have enough uh, enough inertia in the system, that oscillation may uh, turn into a blackout. So um, experts are uh, are now uh, facing this challenge, and there are solutions to it. Uh, you know, there are these fax devices that can provide, beside other benefits, and now with maybe even the modular fax device uh, on top of the traditional ones. Um, beside adding additional benefits and flexibility uh, to transmission operation, they could also provide a sort of a war support to the system and also help with the damping of the oscillations. Um, in addition to that, energy storage now being even more, getting more and more cost effective. Uh, again, uh, on top of their uh, their original um, maybe uh, usage for for the system which everyone is now concerned about having energy storage coupled with uh, solar and wind to provide, uh, you know, to, to remove that intermittency nature of mm -hmm. these renewable mm -hmm. resources. They can also being deployed with the proper, uh, you know, control algorithm on top of them uh, could provide a sort of a inertia replication uh, to, the, to, the, to the system. 
another way of dealing with it could be uh, using more and more HVDC uh, lines, uh, especially the voltage source control ones, uh, which could provide a lot of benefit. Uh, and among all of that, you know, beside being more, you know, providing the black star type of, uh, yeah. uh, you know, mm -hmm. services and ancillary services, you could also deploy them such that uh, in this kind of situation, help with the damping of the oscillation. So there are ways to deal with it, but if we don't pay attention, and if which we do, I, I'm not saying that we don't, uh, you would have probably ended up having problems. So it is good that we are now, uh, you know, uh, trying to uh, leverage the existing technology and the new technologies uh, to answer this problem and, and also providing additional benefits to uh, other functionalities that a grid system requires. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Ahad, for that uh, very well-defined explanation of that phenomenon that it, that exists. And it sounds like even uh, what's exciting is that it sounds like even energy storage can somehow replicate or provide that artificial inertia that may be lacking uh, because of the deployment of inverter-based uh, renewable technologies. So very, very interesting stuff. And we're, 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 we're excited to keep following up on it. Now, um, Ahad, we recently talked with uh, the CEO from SEPA, the Smart Electric Power Alliance, uh, Julia Hamm, about how consumers have more options than they've had ever before. And um, we also spoke with Duke University's Fuqua School of Business's uh, Dean, Bill Boulding, who told us why the business community is taking decarbonization seriously. Now, as a result of all that, how can utilities address everything that is happening behind the meter today? Uh, it's a great question, and it probably requires three hours of conversation. <laughs> I know we don't have that luxury here. I try to be brief. Uh, and I would, I would maybe start with a good example that I have, I have been lucky to be part of it. Uh, back in 2016 timeframe, uh, as part of New York Rev Initiative, uh, Utilities in New York has formed something they call it as a joint utility, uh, and one of the tasks that they have been uh, asked by uh, by the commission in New York uh, was to develop something called distribution system implementation plan uh, (DISIP) as an abbreviation for it, mm -hmm. and that was pretty much uh, putting uh, the structure and defining what the grid of future going to look like. And, you know, what we see today, uh, many of the even detail elements have been, have been identified in the first draft of DC by each of these uh, uh, investor-owned utilities in New York. Uh, and me being part of the smart grid team in, mm -hmm. um, in New York, in uh, Avangrid and in New York, uh, I have the luxury of working on this and being part of the joint venture uh, team. And a lot of elements of it uh, is kind of what we are now today talking about, like, you know, uh, what we what at the end going to uh, turn a utility into a DSP uh, uh, distribution system platform. And that's the ultimate goal that uh, has been identified through this, uh, this process. So I'm going to discuss maybe some of the details of it. But Please. again, it's going to be uh, very time consuming. Uh, so within the DCIP, we identified three main functionalities for a utility 
Uh, and if they can build that, uh, that functionalities, they are going to be able to transform themselves to a DSP to be, you know, an operator of agreed of future. These three are namely the, the, the planning, interconnection planning pillar, uh, the grid operation pillar, and the customer service pillar. The first pillar, the, the, the planning, uh, is going to be a bunch of, uh, you know, softwares and tools that are being developed uh, to deal with the forecasting of the load, uh, to deal with the, uh, you know, with the control and, uh, and also, you know, uh, so to speak, having DERMS functionality for elements like, you know, solar, behind the meter storage, front the meter storage, utility scale solar, DRs, or even, even for the, you know, understanding of what is happening behind the meter uh, with solars and energy storage and also uh, now, uh, with the EV charger. So uh, one element is going to be this planning. The other elements is more into the distribution system, the grid operation, where you have, uh, you know, all the uh, all the uh, AMIs uh, across the system. You would have uh, your distribution uh, system elements like transformers, like switches and so on, all being automated and being able to uh, you know, to control them from a distribution control center uh, with the ADMS uh, software tools. Uh, and then the third pillar is the customer uh, engagement and customer service, uh, you know, the, the p pillar where you have, uh, you, you need to communicate properly all these changes with customers. You have to provide uh, proper uh, means to connect customers with third parties, like, you know, example could be, you know, if a third party, a third party customers wants to, uh, you know, participate in a demand response, uh, you know, mm -hmm. if you have a platform set it up, which in this case we did uh, provide this platform and also like a phone app doing exactly the same thing that the website provides uh, to connect uh, that customer with uh, the the third party uh, demand response aggregator or who provides that service and that that is the same for energy storage if given you know a commercial customer uh, wants to uh, have an energy storage which shave their peak but also use it uh, for other times not just for the peak shaving uh, and then they can connect with uh, with an aggregator and do uh, you know, uh, and use uh, an aggregator helps them to revenue to generate some revenue uh, from you know market participation and so on. So these are the three pillars. Uh, a lot of smaller elements are within uh, each of these parts, and I would be happy to specifically address if you have questions about uh, any item within what I described. Sure. I, I, you know, uh, definitely New York has been very active in this and definitely California too. Do you see this happening in other parts in the U.S. and for that matter, around the world where utilities are looking at how do you know, turn their existing uh, distribution networks into these, you know, platforms of the future where so much happens um, than what may be happening today? Uh my answer is yes, I think it's going to happen. Obviously, some of the states, like you mentioned, New York and California might be ahead of the game, uh, given their nature and uh, and a lot of other reasons. Uh, but I think, you know, uh, I have been seeing over the past uh, couple of years that different utilities across the United States starting to establish uh, renewable goals for within their uh, IRP planning uh, documents. So that tells me that they are in the path 
uh, to also, you know, uh, achieve at least some level of uh, DSP functionalities because it is it is almost impossible to have uh, 50%, 70%, 100% of renewable energy mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. without uh, actually adopting some or maybe a lot of the functionalities which, uh, you know, a distribution system platform uh, yeah. provides. So uh, I would say definitely yes in the United States different parts of countries, uh, different uh, part of the world. Uh, I believe uh, Europe is now uh, maybe even a little bit ahead of uh, of U.S. in that sense, even though U.S. started earlier and had, uh, you know, the, the upper hand. But uh, again, at least the both both sides are, are moving uh, shoulder to shoulder and, uh, you know, you are seeing the, uh, the type of conversation here in U.S., also in Europe and different part of the world, I assume, uh, they are also going to eventually get to this point. Okay. Okay. So thanks, Ahad, for, for your perspectives on, on the DSP side of the story. Now let's shift into an area I'm very excited about. And you know that we love analytics and data here at SAS and electrifying AI. So how can the electricity industry harness the power of data, analytics, and AI to adapt to all the changes that are happening, some of which you uh, rightly so discussed in our episode already today. And more importantly, if you can also share with us how um, these advances in you know, AI and machine learning could be applied, especially in relevance to wind and solar technologies, which is so close to the heart of what, what you do at work. Um, so please, uh, any, any insights that you can share there? Oh, sure. Yeah, I think this is uh, probably one of the most exciting uh, time that uh, folks within the realm of AI could have expected for uh, electric industry. I think there are a lot of different areas that AI can help with. I mean, I just has touched on the load forecasting uh, as an example in my uh, previous Mm -hmm. conversation. I'm just going to, you know, go a little bit more detail on that, Uh, you know, just uh, think about now all these behind the meter uh, devices, uh, energy storage might be there, mm. um, solar generation, rooftop electric might be vehicles. there. Someone might have electric vehicle and have a charging behind the meter. Uh, so with all of that, uh, now you assume even if you have an AMI uh, installed at the customer location with all these uh, behind the meter elements, uh, you don't have visibility, visibility into. I'm sorry, visibility into uh, the the behind the meter and what's happening, and that's important for utility to know why. Because all of a sudden, if you replicate that one customer to a significant amount of customers within the within a feeder, um, you have no idea. Okay, how much generation that feeder needs. For so, for example, mm-hmm. uh, if for an uh, you know an event like uh, you know having a week of cloud, cloudy weather, you lose uh, your uh, your behind a meter solar. All of a sudden, you realize that so far you would have thought that okay, this generation in I mean this load in this feeder has not grown by you know five percent. Uh, but now all of a sudden you mm-hmm. see with, with the lack of those solars, you see 30% increase. Uh, so you're probably going to, you know, have to have a shedding, load shedding on that feeder. Or you probably, if, if you are not, you know, on top of the job, you may actually lose your transformer or something uh, because of that. So uh, it's very important for, for planning purposes uh, that you know uh, what's happening behind the meter. And AI is the uh, the tool for you. So if you have a... Uh, you know, a data coming from AMI, uh, 
uh, and imagine that you have a lot of AMIs across the system, a lot of data already you have mm-hmm. uh, uh, in place, uh, you would be able to uh, kind of understand what is exactly happening behind the meter. What is the base load? What is the solar generation? What is the characteristics of the uh, EV charger load? And kind of uh, this segregate, you know, segregate those and uh, and have a better understanding of okay, this base load over this last next ten years is going to grow by twenty percent, not just five percent. And that's the reason why I see five percent because wow. you know there are these solars behind the meter. So you you plan properly. That's an example of uh, AI being helpful. Obviously, a ton of other. Uh, areas that you can you can use AI like you know you can use AI for control of the uh, energy storage for example to maximize the benefit of uh, energy storage you know one of the arguments at this point while energy storage is still costly mm-hmm. so to speak uh, uh, and relatively uh, is that you have to maximize the benefit so how can you do it you know you can have energy storage that shave your peak reduce the customer bill. Uh, but at the same time, that storage alongside, you know, many other storage together as aggregation, uh, they can be uh, deployed at the, you know, they can be bid into the market in different fashions uh, to help with, uh, you know, with the capacity, with the uh, ancillary services, voltage and frequency, uh, with, uh, you know, energy arbitrage and so on. And AI can help you uh, to optimize that revenue generation. Uh, another example could be location of energy storage within the system. So you can use AI to understand, okay, with all these different elements of system moving around all at the same time, having concern about, uh, you know, load growth, having concern about where the uh, energy storage make more sense from the uh, revenue generation from market, and then determine uh, the optimal locations for the energy storage. Uh, same story for uh, for location of say EV chargers, where to put the chargers uh, that you know that you could uh, minimize the upgrades that you need for uh, for your distribution system. So uh, I would think there are tens and tens of uh, use case scenarios where the AI uh, can help uh, uh, you know the, the distribution system and overall the grid. Uh, in, in today's modern world, with the renewable energies, uh, energy storage, and you know, and uh, EVs uh, in in the horizon. So, uh, um, uh, you know, be careful what you wish for, because that means we're going to have to invite you back to discuss all the remaining use cases, because uh, the the ones you have shared are are very very interesting and very fascinating. Uh, Ahad, this has been a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for your insights and your time, and in particular, uh, helping bridge that connection or connecting the dots between uh, our grid, uh, the greatest machine, and also uh, the greatest enabler of our time, analytics. So thank you again. Here's a reminder for our listeners that they, too, can join the large community um, Ahad has created on LinkedIn. We'll include a link to his profile in the show notes to make it easy for everyone to find him. Okay, Ahad, so here is one last Final question for you. I promise this will not be a hard one. Uh, we're building an electrifying AI playlist on Spotify during this season two, and you get to pick a song. So we're curious to know what is it going to be? Uh, I know you asked me to to look into this. I forgot. So I'm going to go with, uh, with the songs that I'm listening these days in my car. 
So I'm going to go yeah with 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 the song by Adele a million oh. years ago. Wow, wow, that has to be a really interesting pick so far on our on our on our season. So I uh, thank you for thank you for sharing that. Um, so listeners, what song would you like us to include? We've gotten some great suggestions recently, including from Ahad today uh, with uh, Adele. Uh, so uh, we we would love to hear your music suggestions uh, in the comments, or you can tweet them to me at the Electric Sal. Uh, we might just include your pick on our playlist and send you some cool electrifying AI swag to say thank you. So that is all the time we have for this episode. We'll see you again soon. Be safe and we'll be back.